All right, who's preaching today? Oh, yeah, that's me. Dang it. I can do it. All right, um, so the title of today's message is To Fear or Not to Fear, which is kind of ironic because I'm preaching. All right, let's go ahead and pray. Lord Jesus, we come before you today. We just thank you for... We thank you, Lord, for just a blessed time of worship, Lord, for just your spirit filling this place, Lord, for us being in a country that allows us to gather and in a time that we can just get to know you, Lord. There's so much craziness going on in our world with elections and all kinds of stuff, Lord, and we just thank you for a time that we can come, that your spirit can just be poured out on this place, that we can be refreshed, we can look to you for just guidance and direction and power, Lord. We, we thank you, Lord, and we Ask this all in your son, Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Pull out your Bibles. We're going to turn to Isaiah 41.10. But first, I want you to picture something. Close your eyes if you want. If you don't, that's fine too. I'm not going to throw anything at you. It's not that kind of fear. So there I was, bunkered down. I knew the enemy was inevitably bearing down on me. I could hear the wind blowing. I could hear leaves crunching. It was hot. I was in a tight, confined space. I knew another soldier had my back covering the west entry point. I was covering the east. It was at that moment I realized there was another entrance to the southeast. Who knew? There was an entrance to the southeast. I thought I just had to cover the one east. Never have I been more afraid My eyes darted to and fro from the entryway, making sure no one came in. My finger firmly pressed against the trigger. Arms tired from a long day. Gun resting on the windowsill, just trying to take a moment to catch a breath. Sweat just pouring down, just nerves of steel were not there. It was crazy. Now, many of you have probably figured out that I'm talking about a paintball match I once had. But the fear was true and the anxiety was high. I would have popped anyone friend or foe, even the referee who walked through that door, I almost popped. Which leads me to our verse of the day. Isaiah 41.10 Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. This verse is talking primarily to the exiled Jews in a long and painful captivity. God selected them as his people, so they had nothing to fear. It's as true now as it was when it was written. Those who God has chosen, have nothing to fear. So why then do we have bondage and fear? We forget about the rest of the verse. Let me read it again. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. For I am with you. This is the reason 
why we should not be afraid. If God is with you, who can be ahead of you? He's the best. He's the number one. Turn with me to Romans 8.31. Keep your fingers on Isaiah 41.10. We'll be back. Romans 8:31 What then shall we say to these things if God is for us who can be against us Back to Isaiah 41:10 Be not dismayed Dismayed the word here is, and I'm going to pronounce this horribly, taisheta. See, Sean isn't the only one that can give you language lessons. This comes from the word sha'ah, which means to see or to look, and then to look about as one does in the state of an alarm or danger. So the sense here is that they should be calm. So it says, be not dismayed. So if we take that and, and apply the sha'ah to it, it's, be not looking around in alarm or danger. Be calm. Be relaxed. So why wouldn't they? God commanded, why don't they? Why don't we? Why don't we have a state of being not dismayed? I know that's a double negative and it sounded awkward when I said it. but The other preceding words are already affirmation of God's power. I'm not going to lie. When Sean asked me to preach, I was incredibly nervous. I still am. But as I studied and prayed throughout the last few weeks, I could feel his strength and his power as I typed, and a peace or a calmness just rushed over me. Now, I'm still nervous. In fact, I've got Emma back there giving me cues, which is awesome. Slow down. Take a deep breath. But I know that this is God's message that he has for you today. This is not BK giving you a message. This is something that God is, is putting on my heart to go out today. And he's going to bless it and he's going to fill it. And that's all that matters. Even if I totally, Sean texted me. He's like, dude, relax, you got this. Even if you totally blunder it up, who cares? God's going to use it because that's how powerful he is. So I'm like, all right, I can mess it up. I'm not trying to, but I could. <laughs> So our sense of calm, or to be not dismayed, can only come from one place. And that's Jesus. That is the only way we're going to have any kind of calmness. Anybody who tells you otherwise is lying. There's one path to the mountain. There's not five paths to get up there. And if you worship this religion, oh, it'll be fine as long as you're a good person. No, there's only one way you're going to get to heaven, and that's through Jesus. No amount of incantations or um, are going to bring you lasting peace and comfort that Christ can provide. You like how I did the little fingers? So back to our text. For I am thy God. Our God is a God in heaven. He's living, breathing, reigning supreme God. He's alive. He's always been alive and he always will be. And it's amazing. He has all the power. And guess what? That power was pledged for you, and you, and all of you. 
you don't believe me. All right, check it out. No, check it out. Proverbs 18.10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. You have nothing to fear. How could you with that? The righteous run to it and are safe. He's going to protect you. He's there for you. The next part of the verse, I will uphold thee. All right, who here has played the game Jenga? So for those of you who don't know, it's the little game with the blocks that like stack up and you pull the bottom one really nervously and make sure you don't knock over the whole tower, otherwise you lose. So my question to you is this. How easy would that game be if the first several columns were one solid base? Now, certain people have reminded me that that would literally break the game, but this isn't an analogy. This isn't real life. But it'd be pretty tough to lose, right? If the whole solid bottom didn't move at all and it was just one solid piece, you could easily move the other pieces and they would have a less chance of falling. That's how it is when our life is built on Christ. When he is our cornerstone, when his hand is what we base our life off of, we're in his hand, that's our solid rock. That's our comfort. That's our strength. So the verse continues on. How does he do that? He holds us up with the rest of his verse, the right hand of his righteousness. This phrase is a Hebrew mode of expression. This phrase meaning that God's hand was faithful. So, you know, we have all these, you know, cliches and, and sayings. That was one of their sayings. In, in the Hebrew, the right hand of my righteousness is kind of a play on words, it seems like. Right hand, righteousness. I think it was a little bit of a play on word there. But it means that it, God's hand was faithful. It can be relied on and would secure them. Turn with me to Deuteronomy 31.6. I told you we'd be going back and forth. Here we see another promise of his faithfulness in our fear. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. Oops, that was not the right verse. Be strong. That's a good one. It's a great verse. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God... He is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Another encouragement to have strength. To have strength not in yourself. The verse says, the Lord your God goes, what? What does it say? With you. Exactly. He's always there. He's by your side. Did you know there are two types of fear? The first fear, John Colson said, when you fear the Lord, you'll fear nothing else. When you don't fear the Lord, you'll fear everything else. What kind of fear is he talking about? Well, there's the forbidden fear that we've talked about before. 
And then there's the commanded fear. So we're going to read a couple verses. We're going to read Romans 3.18 and Psalm 36.1. And this is going to talk a little bit about the... We'll do 3.18 first, Jacob. And this is going to talk a little bit about the commanded fear, the fear of the Lord. Romans 3.18 There is no fear of God before their eyes. And then we're going to turn to Psalm 36.1 Now this is to the chief musician, a psalm of David. And he says, Psalm 36.1 An oracle within my heart concerning the transgression of the wicked. There is no fear of God before his eyes. So one thing that, that struck me while I was doing this study, and I really, I really liked it, and I wanted to share it with you, was when David went to fight Goliath, David never mentions Goliath's size. Everybody else does. His brothers, um, Saul, they all like, oh, David, you can't beat him. He's, he's huge. He's military trained. What are you doing? David doesn't care about his size. David never mentions it. He doesn't even think about it. The only thing David says to or about Goliath is that he calls him uncircumcised, or in other words, not a man of God. That was all that David cared about when he was going up to fight Goliath. No one believed that he could do it. No one believed that this little tiny boy could take out this giant Philistine, this, that he, this young boy, can beat this man that has grown up his entire life fighting. That's all Goliath did. He was a trained military man. David was a shepherd. I mean, there's a whole compare and contrast between David and Goliath. So everyone is on the side of Goliath because of his size. So how did David do it? Well, David had none of the forbidden fear. David only had the commanded fear of God. He knew that God would take care of him. He was not afraid. He knew and did exactly what God did. And there's a lot of symbolism in that story that we don't have time to get into. But I encourage you to study it. But when he went and grabbed the stones, one for David, one for Goliath, one for each of his brothers, I mean, there's a, a ton of awesomeness. And he swung, he had no fear at all. He knew that God was telling him to do exactly that. There are, the two are mutually exclusive, the two types of fears. I don't think you can have the forbidden fear if you have the commanded fear. If you're truly fearing the Lord and walking and trusting in him, the other fear is, is it's minimal. It's, it's not important. So what are you afraid of? Spiders? Clowns attacking you in the forest? Huge babies? But really, guys, what are you afraid of? Finances? A dying relationship? Are you afraid of death? Why? Are you afraid of dying? Why? 
Let's look at the characteristics of God. So we're going to go back to Isaiah 41, verses 1 through 4. Now, I like the way that God's word puts it, so I'm going to read from that translation. Be silent and listen to me, you coastlands. Let the people gain new strength. Let them come near and speak. Let us come together for judgment. Who has raised up from the east someone to whom the Lord gives victory with every step he takes? Nations are handed over to him. He defeats kings. With his sword, he turns them into dust. With his bow, he turns them into straw blown by the wind. He chases them, marching by safely, on a path his feet have never traveled before. Who has accomplished this? Who has determined the course of history from the beginning? All right, guys. This is where it gets really good. Are you ready? I, the Lord, was the first, was there first, and I will be there to the end. Jump with me to verse 8. But you are my servant, Israel, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the descendant of Abraham, my dear friend. I have taken you from the ends of the earth, and called you from its most distant places, I said to you, you are my servant. I have chosen you. I have not rejected you. How many people feel rejected? God's not going to reject you. God loves you. God wants you. He's chosen you. He's called you out of whatever you're in to not be afraid, but to be in him. Continuing on in the verse, don't be afraid because I am with you. Don't be intimidated. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will support you with my victorious right hand. Everyone who is angry with you will be ashamed and disgraced. Those who oppose you will be reduced to nothing and disappear. You will search for your enemies, but you will not find them. Those who are at war with you will be reduced to nothing and no longer exist. I, the Lord your God, will hold your right hand and say to you, don't be afraid. I will help you. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds like somebody I want on my side. Somebody who's going to crush my enemies. Why? Because he loves you and he wants to. And he's a faithful and just God that's going to be there for everything that you're going through. Are you still scared of death? Probably not. The only way to have this hope and encouragement, though, the only way is through a personal relationship with God. How do you get that? How do you get a personal relationship with God? You ask. It's as simple as that. That's all he wants from you. Ask Christ to come into your heart. Try harder. Oh, minus one Jesus point. 
And I have a lot of power teaching, so that's a lot of Jesus points. Ask Christ to come into your heart and allow him to rule and reign on a daily basis through faith and humility. And you thought I'd get through the whole sermon without mentioning hashtag FNH. Not happening. I leave you with one final thought. Don't fear death. Death could not hold back Jesus. Jesus. 